0: Welcome back to the FreightWaves Freight Tech Venture Summit. I'm here with Kevin Deistole from Sapphire Ventures. Kevin, welcome to the party.
1: No, thanks for having me. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the FreightWaves platform and, and what you guys are doing for the industry. So uh, feel honored to be part of this.
0: Yeah, I would love to tell uh, our listeners and viewers a little bit more about Sapphire. You guys spun out of uh, s and a long time ago. That kind of may know about, a little about you in that way. But tell us more about kind of what you guys uh, do for as an investor and kind of what you provide.
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh, we're an expansionary growth stage venture capital fund. Um, we invest across the tech spectrum, from enterprise software all the way to consumer and, and everything in between. Uh, we manage over four billion dollars in AUM and have had some really good success. We've have over, had over twenty IPOs and. 35 plus MA and a exits. Um, and so continuing to try to put uh, points on the board. Uh, we generally, as I mentioned, get involved when companies have some momentum and traction. So we're writing checks in the 10 to $100 million range. And then in terms of like, yeah, what do we bring to the table? It's not just capital. We actually have invested very heavily behind what we call our portfolio growth team. And that's a 15-person team that focuses exclusively on behalf of our portfolio to... Introduce people to customers, go to market partnerships, uh, executive level recruiting, putting on events, global expansion, et cetera, et cetera. So we like to think of ourselves as more than just just capital.
0: Yeah. And when I was doing research for uh, for our conversation, I was really struck by the fact that you and I have actually had a lot of career overlap in our past. Uh, (laughs) Like, what was it? you know i was at namely and you you guys are invested in culture amp so we got the hr tech space covered uh, i was at plated you guys are invested in sunbasket so we got the meal tech uh space covered and then you guys are in project 44 uh here in the freight tech industry now so uh, you could, it's funny we keep following each other around
1: that's true it's true you and i have a lot of overlap in these, in these industries
0: Well, I mean, we're obviously here to talk a little bit about uh, your experience in the freight tech industry. Uh, Do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, how that's evolved and how your experience with P forty four is gone?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, Freight tech has definitely seen uh, evolution, just like any other industry. Um, And this this isn't meant to be like a ding towards the space, but freight has has always evolved a little bit more uh, slowly than some of the other industries, at least to date from a tech adoption perspective. And some of that is just definitionally, there's, you're moving one physical item to another, another place. It's not ones and zeros in a, in a computer, um, but that's, that's changing. And so we're seeing a maturation across um, this enormous multi-trillion dollar space and we're seeing it on a daily basis. So we meet with startups Daily weekly who are revolutionizing what we're what we're seeing in the space with project 44 there's certainly a, a great example of that where we're taking huge sums of data and helping glean insights and power actions for our constituents they take a a Switzerland approach and so it's really just the pipes to provide uh, data to uh, to various stakeholders within the the industry but um, it's uh, it's always fascinating in, in freight in general because it's Generally, a little bit more transactional, a little heavier on the services and labor side. There's a manual component to it, but we're now seeing a lot of this uh, this evolution, and um, we're excited about it.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, as I'm pretty new to this space too. I've been in it for just about a year, but as it's evolved, even kind of in the COVID times, it's it's been really interesting. One of the things that is a little different from kind of our past experiences um, is. Really, freight tech is just a vertical industry, right? There's different technology opportunities all up and down the spectrum, whether you're, you know, moving freight all the way down to visibility, you know, visibility platforms to server mm-hmm. service providers there, like, and that's different, right, than something like Culture Amp, which you guys invested in, which is that serves an HR platform uh, for a company across all different types of industries. Do you want to talk a little bit about the the difference about kind of what it's like to serve a freight tech industry versus something like HR tech or, or, or whatever else, because uh, there's obviously sure. a ton of options out there.
1: No, you used, you used two good examples, like Project 44 certainly focused on, uh, on, on freight uh, more broadly, and then a culture ramp could be horizontal in nature and apply to almost any organization. At Sapphire, we spend time across both vertical and, and horizontal solutions. Um, there's, no, there's no real right way to think about the selling motion. Um, in vertical software, you're generally um, you really want to be like a true expert in the space. You want to understand the various constituents from top to bottom. Where does one solution start? Where does the other one um, stop? When the, who are the buyers of each application? Um, and you certainly see a, a number of different revenue streams and revenue types. Um, in horizontal, you're looking for a more broadly applicable solution. It spans industries. You're generally targeting the same buyer or champion. Um, it's usually a department that you're, you're looking at. Um, you mentioned Culture Amp, even namely where you are before payroll uh, employee engagement is ubiquitous across uh, across industries. And so um, there's definitely a, a value to having, you know, being able to get a, a pulse for your employees or or get them paid uh, in any industry. In the end there are great opportunities across both. Um, vertical may be perceived sometimes as having a little bit more of a, a, a limited opportunity from like a TAM perspective, but look, there are monster spaces and you can capture real market share in those. And so we're certainly investing behind a number of horizontal solutions and, and vertical solutions. There's There's no right answer or wrong answer there.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about the $9.6 trillion space that freight is globally. Uh, you can't really get much bigger of a vertical market than that one, can you?
1: Yeah, no, it does. There are very few that get get larger than that, which is, again, the basis of our thesis in, in freight tech more broadly is really exactly what you just said, multi-trillion dollars. And uh, and it's really ripe for disruption from a technology standpoint. So.
0: Within when you're serving a vertical industry, obviously there's a ton of different revenue opportunities that you can go after. It really should fit your business model clearly, but you know you've got everything in this uh, in freight tech from uh, the traditional or what I can think of traditional is like a SaaS model all the way down to you know a marketplace model where you're taking a GMV slice, and in addition you've got even some interesting stuff like hardware supported SaaS as well. Um, you know that's can you talk a little bit about you know how you see all those different types of of uh, of revenue streams and kind of like what kind type of perspective you have as an investor uh, based on that those business models that exist?
1: Yeah, for sure. there are uh, like freight is a is a great example of where you can get a whole slew of various revenue types and revenue streams. And then, what we really how we think about it is um, is more around the quality of that revenue so what what is the value of that revenue stream and and it can they can vary so um they can be unique They're, you know everyone is valued differently um uh you have you mentioned SaaS, you know subscription there's transactional um revenue there's recurring versus reoccurring where people keep coming back but it may not be contractually recurring um, there's marketplace and, and take rate uh, that you'd see in more of the freight forwarders, um, professional services, hardware versus software. So there's a whole, there's a you know, Bill Gurley at Benchmark um, wrote a blog about like not every, not, not all revenue is the same, um, and I thought that was a that's a great starting point for anyone who wants to to take a look into this. But a couple of examples, right? Um, and we've touched upon these briefly, but marketplace or freight forwarders. Um, they're really like a GMV type of revenue stream. They don't, they take a take rate. So it's usually, you'd want to look at more of like a net revenue, but it's transactional in nature, uh, can often be reoccurring and you can see the similar expansion over time of their, their customer base. Um, but, uh, you can see some real explosiveness there. Subscription, um, annual, you know, generally paid up upfront can be tiered on modules and, and products or based on volume. Um, generally see as the, seen as the highest quality, I would say, uh, revenue because it is contractual, it is recurring. Um, people are generally renewing them. Those renewal rates can vary between SMBs and, and enterprises. So there's a whole slew of things to uncover there. Um, there's professional services, depending on the, the market segment, um, you may need more of those. So as you move up market into enterprise um, your, your customers are going to want a little bit more of the white glove, a little bit more hand holding in that respect um, uh, and those generally those generally come with lower margins uh, in most cases, and so uh, it 's just a different again quality of, of revenue. Um, we, we try to guide companies to if you if 're you're going to offer professional services, try to at least aim for break even if not making some money on it, but um, in many cases at the beginnings people are, are losing some. And then, yeah, we could go into detail on others like hardware, software, um, someone like a, a Samsara where there's an actual device and then they, they build software on top of it. So there's a whole slew of them. In terms of the, the quality, um, the, I, I think of it as like, what is the margin profile behind those? What, you know, is there implementation on professional services? Um, hardware generally has a lower margin. Um, so there's, there's different elements of that. Um, and so when I think of valuing them, like if I had to dumb it down, you may see like a GMV multiple maybe closer to like one X, whereas a SaaS recurring revenue revenue stream might command a 10, 15 plus type X revenue um, from valuation. Uh, and so it, it really is, a, it's a spectrum.
0: Yeah, I, I think you really touched on that valuation point at the end there, you know, where you see like those GMV based businesses kind of at like a, a, that one X. You know, I've, it's interesting. I've always kind of thought like the the hardware supported uh, SaaS businesses and the implementation heavy uh, SaaS businesses all kind of play in that same like business model framework, right? You want to break even on either the hardware or the implementation, but the you know what I you know what I look for when I'm managing our business is really to to get that recurring or the you know the customer relationship and have. That be how our, you know, our business and then, you know, in, in turn, our investors situation, uh, you know, really aligned to that so that we're, we're all aligned in that regard to the positive outcomes.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and um, I think people are shifting that direction. Um, we also saw that, like, if you can get into the payment stream or the actual transaction stream, your, you, your customer is... Um, Let's say it's an e-commerce company, and as they grow, you can participate in that growth, even in a non-subscription type of model. And so, it really—I I don't want to swing too far one one way or another on on which revenue streams are better. I just think they come with there's a a bunch of elements that are underlying those in terms of the quality again and the valuation of that that revenue. There, I mentioned margins, but there's also metrics like the efficiency. So people commonly referred to magic number um, or payback periods. We look at net dollar retention. So is that cohort of, of customers expanding over time, um, which is, a, is kind of the metric du jour these days because it shows that there is stickiness but also expansion to the, the revenue base. Ham for sure, like total addressable market is a huge element of that. So um, not every $100 million revenue business is the same. Um, and then team, for sure, is a, is a major uh, factor there.
0: Yeah. So we've touched a ton of different uh, areas uh, within this industry and even expanding outside of it. But what really gets Sapphire in excited about new investments?
1: Yeah, look, <laughs> um, We look for big spaces, uh, great teams to execute behind them, uh, and every one of our investments uh, across the spectrum from hardcore infrastructure to consumer is really based on data, data, data. Um, And that data, it's not just having the data, it's gleaning the insights from the data, it's creating actions behind that data. I think FreightWaves with the Sonar platform is like a great example of a company that has done that, it's really about what is what are the key elements uh, that we can we can figure out from this this data. There's also um, you know being the pipe to data. We mentioned Project 44, but they take a Switzerland approach to visibility as one one module um, of selling the, the picks and shovels to folks um, uh, across the the shipping logistics industry. Um, any way you can build a moat uh, is going to be super helpful. That can be on the technology side, but also um, liquidity is a, is a big moat as well. And when I, what immediately pops to mind for me are the marketplaces and the digital brokerages where you are acquiring both supply side and demand side. And that's really difficult to do, but if you do it right, you can have you know mega success. Um, other examples on the marketplace side would be like an Uber or an Airbnb, someone like that. So you have folks like the Convoys or Transfixes or senders in, in Europe where they're aggregating both supply and demand to create that liquidity in order to then create a better experience for all constituents in the in the ecosystem. Um, a couple of other areas we've been spending time are on just like on demand, and, and that can be a couple of different elements there where we've been spending time in the warehouse management system side where you can spin up and spin down warehouse capacity just like you would with an AWS server. So there's folks like Flex and Flowspace and Deliverer and ChipBob and people like that who are helping create um, that ability to be more flexible to their their customers, both from SMBs all the way up to to large enterprises. Uh, certainly, with you know this is nothing new, but I think um, COVID has been a, a big accelerant to this. But it's like last mile delivery. Now people, whether it's bringing food or, or having a, a a package delivered. Um, Folks like Bring are trying to aggregate uh, a, a, a more holistic view across different um, sources of that, that delivery model. Airspace is looking at time-critical um, solutions to bring, it could be organs or a, a piece of a Boeing plane or something like that to a, to a factory. So there's a, there's a whole slew of things we, we look at, but I will say that it, it really comes down to, to data um, that underlines all of our theses.
0: Yeah, and there's so much opportunity for data within our sector, freight tech. So, uh, Kevin, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Everyone, stay tuned. We have another great fireside chat coming up next.